Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKED ON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E CHU.com. Promo code LOCKED ON. L O C K E D O N to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined this week by Bailey Adams. You can check out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Bailey, certainly appreciate you jumping on here with me, buddy, especially after I, I made another not-so-nice comment about you on yesterday's episode. Yeah, I, I feel like I had to come on here and kind of just defend myself or at least just be here for all of the slander. Um <laughs> That way, it's not just directed at me listening. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm. I can defend myself now that I'm here. But you know what? We'll we we throw jabs at at quite a few people every now and again, and you're the only one that ever really responds. So at least we know you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I am a loyal listener, and I get treated like this. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering um, what that's all about. Again, we only tease the ones we love. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, usually this is our crossover Wednesday episode, but I have brought Bailey on. We are going to talk a little bit Bucks and Browns, more so Bucks than Browns, because that's what we know. We bring on the the other hosts to talk about their team because they know their team better than we do, but couldn't get a hold of anybody. So here we are. And Bailey, we're going to start off with some some interesting comments that Bruce Arians made. Pewter Report had tweeted it out earlier in the day where they said head coach Bruce Arians said he went to the offensive coaches this week and asked how long they want the first team to play in the third game. They said, we need the half Arians said, yeah, I don't think they do. So it doesn't look like we're going to get a whole heck of a lot of the starting offense. I would guess if they, if they don't play the whole first half, maybe they just get the first quarter rather than just the first drive. Um, but it it seems like one of two things, and that is either that Bruce Arians is comfortable with the way his offense is progressing, or he doesn't want to risk silly 
injuries to to any of the major players. So uh, I don't know what's kind of your your take on on Bruce's theory or or Bruce's evaluation that he doesn't believe the offense needs the whole first half. You know, I think it's kind of interesting just because it's just another example of Bruce Arians doing things kind of differently than everyone else does. Um, turning right when other people go left, if that's the expression. I have no idea. But It is now. <laughs> uh, I just think it, it's interesting because I know most coaches, most staffs like to see, you know, their their starters go in, go into the locker room and then even maybe start the second half to – you know, just do that, do that one time before starting the regular season. But apparently that's not something that he cares about. Um, in the full quote, he even says um, they wanted to play a half to get a little bit more rhythm. It's a catch 22. It always has been and always will be. It's just like going out and tackling in practice. You've got to do it and you've just got to hold your breath that nobody gets hurt. So it sounds like it's a thing where he doesn't want to see any more injuries. He's kind of got a couple guys nicked up right now and, you know, there's a the Bucks are like we talked about this at length. Is the Bucks are a couple, maybe one catastrophic injury away from the season being derailed before it starts. So I think Bruce is is trying to be careful while also realizing that yeah, they got to get some work in um, before San Francisco comes into town in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, and it, this was something that we were talking about on uh, on Monday in our Bucks Nation group chat was, you know, how long are the starters going to play on Friday night? And, and I had made the comment that, you know, they're they're all going to play the first half, uh, maybe into the second. That's pretty, pretty standard procedure across the NFL. And, you know, I guess I shouldn't have been so cocky because if there's one thing that is not standard procedure, it is Bruce Arians. Um <laughs> You know, obviously the the depth along the offensive line is the biggest concern. You know, if if Jameis goes down, Mike Evans goes down, that's that's obviously catastrophic as as you put it. But you know, when you lose a a left tackle or your center or your your right guard, whatever the case may be, you know, we've seen throughout the preseason so far that the offensive line depth is uh, abysmal. So atrocious. Yeah all kinds of a words. Um, (laughs) yeah. And, and it's something that kind of goes back to, to another, uh, another thing that Bruce Arians had mentioned was that, you know, they could cut down to 60 at any moment if they needed to, they're going to be scouring some of these cuts across the NFL, trying to find some of that depth and, and, and trying to find, you know, little pieces here and there as, as all teams do, uh, and at the same time, they Ian Beckles had reported that they were getting trade offers for Beninock, which is just wild to me. <laughs> um, so I think that's that's probably Bruce's biggest concern at the moment would be, you know, if one of the starting five offensive linemen go down, things go from average to horrendous in the blink of an eye. Yeah, and on that note. Um, I don't know if you, have you seen the quote that he had today about looking for other players that other teams cut. Uh, I did. I don't remember it offhand though. Yeah, basically. So he said we're always looking to flip those last five guys, the last five guys on our practice squad, and just keep churning the roster to find guys that fit better. You'll always be looking for them. That's why when we make those cuts to the final fifty-three, don't celebrate too much. It might only be two days. So it sounds like those last five guys. I don't know if it's exactly five or not that he has anybody in mind maybe right now, but Basically, the point is the the fringe people that are making the roster, their jobs aren't safe because they are going to look outside the organization for guys that might fit better. And and I think that's 
that's definitely something to keep in mind going forward, obviously. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, Bailey, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Browns. Um, going, going into Friday night, obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield has been a huge story all day with his, you know, <laughs> quotes about, about Daniel Jones, which apparently I haven't seen the full quote, but Baker's response was essentially that Barstool took them out of context. I can't really say that I'm surprised. Um, but you know, that the quote was taken out of context and, and, you know, he didn't mean any ill will towards, towards Jones, but you know, this is a, a team that in their very first preseason game went no huddle and scored in like two minutes. I don't expect to see Odell Beckham Jr. out there. Uh, even with the starters playing an extended amount, I don't know how the Browns are going to approach it, but I don't expect a whole lot of, of Jarvis Landry and Baker may even be, you know, kept at a, at a minimum just because of, of the fear of those unnecessary injuries. And, and let's face it, the city of Cleveland will implode if something happens to Baker Mayfield in a preseason game. Um, you know, how do you kind of look at, at the Browns heading into Friday? And, and honestly, how do you feel about the Browns heading into the season? You know, honestly, I, I kind of agree with you that I don't know if we're going to see much of or any of Odell Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry might not see a lot of and Baker because it's just part of the thing that kind of keeps me um, thinking that we'll see more of the, the second and third team is the, being in Tampa. I mean, the weather every day it's been pouring down rain. And I guess Bruce said that the the field will be covered this week and it wasn't last week leading up to the game for whatever reason. But it's been raining every day. If it's if it's slippery out there, like we saw with Ronald Jones, if it's slippery out there, injuries are obviously more likely to happen and no one's going to take a chance. So if this rain keeps up, honestly, I'm not expecting to see a lot of starters on both sides for very long at least. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just um, – obviously a lot of talent, a lot of big moves that Cleveland made this offseason. I think Nick Chubb's a, a beast. And, you know, the fact that they added Kareem Hunt, you know, who – I don't know. He can play in the preseason, so we'll probably see him on, on Friday night. Probably a good deal of him since he's going to be out for however long um, his suspension is. But, yeah, I, I think Cleveland – there's been a lot of hype, obviously. I'm not ready to crown them Super Bowl champions. But going into the season, um, I, think they'll, I think they'll challenge for the AFC North. Um, it'll be interesting. I think Pittsburgh's still going to be pretty good. Um, but overall, yeah, I think the hype is, is mostly warranted just because if you look at this – Everybody talks about the offense, but, man, look at the defense, too. The defense, you know, obviously pretty young, but was, was solid last year. Miles Garrett, you know, Christian Kirksey, all these guys, Denzel Ward. Um, a lot of guys that, that are very good football players coming together really well. And, you know, a young core of players that are probably going to take them pretty far in the next few years. Yeah, and and one of the things that you mentioned, I mean, you basically took the words right out of my mouth. I do expect a heavy dose of Kareem Hunt for exactly the reason you said. You know, they're going to want to get him as involved as they can before he's put on the shelf for eight weeks. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be up to Kareem Hunt to to make sure that he's staying in shape and working out independently and, and not coming back in week 10 because they do have a, a bye during his suspension, so he won't return until – week 10 of the season 
uh, you know, he needs to make sure that he returns in football shape. So you want to get him as many reps and, and get comfortable as comfortable as he can in this short period with the starting lineup, because, you know, he's not the second stringer. It's, it's Chubb and Hunt, you know, Hunt is such a, a versatile and incredible weapon that, you know, it's not going to surprise me one bit if, if we see, you know, 40%, 45%, of Cleveland snaps have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field at the same time because kind of kind of like the Bucks situation when you have Evans and 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 Godwin and Howard and Brait you know what do you what do you do as a defense because all of those guys are huge threats well what do you do when you have Beckham and Landry and Njoku and Chubb and Hunt all out there together like that's yeah, you know that's a nightmare situation, and just a lot of fun for for Freddie Kitchens and, and Todd Munkin to to create some some explosive plays, some trick plays, and and all those kinds of things. So yeah, I expect a pretty heavy dose of of Kareem Hunt. Maybe it may be a one or two drive kind of night for Chubb, and then just you know let let Hunt loose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you just listening to all those guys like, man, this team on paper is unbelievable. It's so good. And if if they put it together, it's just crazy how this whole came together for the Browns. And I mean, I know it's been a while since it's actually been good, but I'm just saying, like, it seems like in the last, I don't know, 365 days plus maybe, I don't know if Baker Mayfield changed or what it was, but just everything is flipped. And now all of a sudden they're the talk of the entire NFL, not for being an awful team, but for being a team with a ton of potential it's crazy yeah and it's it's funny we do those those pulse of the fan you know articles for uh for bucks nation gill does those where you know there's a group of fans that have signed up to get these surveys from sb nation about their you know how they feel about about their particular team and and last year we saw fluctuation for the Bucks, of course, and then by midseason, basically through the rest of the season, there was there was no confidence whatsoever. Then there's the higher Bruce Arians, and the confidence is kind of on an uptick. I saw today that confidence in the Cleveland Browns is at ninety eight percent. When is the last time the Cleveland Browns fan base has been ninety eight percent confident in their team? I'm going to go with uh, Jim Brown era. Yeah, I can't imagine it was within the last 25 years at all or anything. I don't even, I don't know. Can't go that far back, but no way. 98%? When's the last time the Bucks were at 98%? 2002? Probably. Maybe 2003 <laughs> coming off the Super Bowl until oh, they man, got just, just riddled with injury. I mean, I just wrote about that whole season for uh that that series i'm doing and man i i, I was probably since uh, we're going to talk about how young i am again i guess and i'm opening <laughs> myself up here but being young at that in that 2003 season like i was telling my dad the other day if i was like the age i am now i would have been just depressed the entire season because so much went wrong Sean johnson we're not going to get into it but man if you guys want to want to get depressed a little bit and see some some sad highlights from that season Go check out BucksNation.com. That's um, on there as the countdown to kickoff series. Yeah, that was that was not a fun season, and it started off on such a great note. Oh, opening man, opening week, you you just closed down the vet by beating the Eagles. Now you're going to open 
their new stadium by beating them again on national television with one of the most ridiculous. Yeah. One of the most ridiculous touchdown catches of all time by Joe Juravicious. That man gets no love. They gave away his number 83. Inexcusable. But I do love Vincent Jackson. Yeah, I love Vincent Jackson too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, heavens. And it's funny to, you know, this is, way way before bailey but you go back and you look at that 1994 cleveland browns team and you look at that coaching staff and you think if art modell hadn't screwed the city of cleveland the way he did they could be the patriots only much longer tenure of domination if he had just left it all alone so I'm going to be honest with you. When you said that, I looked up 1994 Cleveland Browns coaching staff, and my mouth fell open when I saw that it said head coach Bill Belichick. I did not know that. Yep. Nick that Saban is- was on that staff. Oh, my goodness gracious. Hey, Eric Man- Mangini was on that staff. Mangini was on that staff. Um, Jim Schwartz? Yep, Schwartz. Yeah. That's Way to go, Art Modell. Hope you enjoyed your your one Super Bowl after you moved. Oh, I guess they did win another one, but Art Modell was dead by then. Rest in pieces. Peace. Oh, <laughs> man. All right, we're moving on. Oh, <laughs> uh, jeez. So yeah, and I'm I'm sure some things are are going to look somewhat familiar to Bucks fans because of. Todd Munkin. Now, last year, Bailey, we saw some of the things that Munkin liked to do with the Bucks and how he kind of opened it up. And the Bucks offense was clicking. You know, he he was airing it out to Deshaun Jackson and integrating the run game and and you know, getting every single person involved. And then Dirk Cutter took over play calling and they set a record for most yards in a game without scoring a touchdown (laughs) and a loss to the Washington Redskins. Um, But you look at all the weapons that he has to play with now in Cleveland and you look at the way the offense, even with backup quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, you, you look at what that offense did. They were just clipping off points at a ridiculous rate. You know, outgunning the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, opening up a game against the Philadelphia Eagles with a 75-yard touchdown pass. You know, he's going to like to air it out, and he's got the weapons to do it. But then you also look at the other things that he liked to do. He liked to get the tight end involved. He's got Njoku. He he loves those pass-catching backs, and unfortunately they couldn't get Ronald Jones going. You know, he has he has trouble receiving out of the backfield. It's obviously something that we've seen him improve on since last year. But, you know, it, it's going to be really, really fun, you know, season long, not necessarily just Friday. It's going to be really fun to watch Todd Munkin get to use some of these guys in, in an offense where he's not being essentially handicapped by a inept head coach. Man, you know what? Imagine being Todd Munkin. That poor this guy. Is, he's going, <laughs> oh, poor guy, just going from Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray. He gets fired. And the whole staff gets fired. And then, oh, I mean, he just happens to land on his feet with Cleveland, with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., all of those guys. 
Like, it's basically Todd Munkin is the Green Bay Packers of offensive coordinators. It goes from <laughs> basically went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. That's not fair. Well, I say poor guy because in Tampa, obviously, we know that it wasn't his offense that he was calling plays for. It was no, still Cutter's offense. And I think I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be the same way in Cleveland. He's not running his own offense. He's running Freddie Kitchen's offense. So he's he's getting this, this position and, and getting all these great players to be able to utilize, but he's still not the one who is creating the playbook for these players. He's still having to utilize someone else's brainchild to put points up on the board. You know what? I just thought of this, and I don't know if it was ever even a possibility. Probably wasn't, but it could have been an alternate universe. If so, the way that Dirk Cutter was uh, hired, he was the offensive coordinator, obviously, for the Bucks, and then got promoted to head coach, and they fired Lovey Smith. They wanted to keep the offense intact. Mm-hmm. If the whole, for, for one part, if that hadn't happened and the Bucks seen it go so wrong with Dirk Cutter, and if the whole Bruce Arians thing wasn't a possibility, is Todd Munkin the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now? Nope. No chance? Nope. I don't think so. I think with with the firing of Lovey and the retaining of Dirk Cutter and the majority of his staff, you had to have a clean break from everything. You had to start over no matter what. Now, would I like to see Todd Munkin get an opportunity to be a head coach one day? Absolutely. I love Munkin. You know, there was a um, there was a Jets podcast that I was on way back during the coaching search where I was pumping Munkin for the Jets. I thought he would have been a great hire for them, especially getting to work with someone as young as as Darnold. I thought it would have been a great fit. Um, but Better than yeah. Adam Gase. Oh, God, that guy. His Yikes. Scary eyes. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was... Uh, in my opinion, and of course I don't have any inside information uh, about this, but in my opinion, there was zero chance Todd Munkin was going to be the Buccaneers head coach because they did need a complete separation from that coaching staff in every facet. That might even be one of the reasons that, that Buckner wasn't retained. You know, Buckner was a coach for Arians and, and we see how Bruce Arians likes to keep his own guys so why wasn't he one of the ones to get to stay and and work with Bruce Arians? Well, probably because he was infected with whatever stupidity disease Dirk Cutter had infected all of his coaches with. Um, so now he's out in Oakland dealing with the Antonio Brown headache. So um, <laughs> you think Bruce Arians came in and said, "Hey, uh, Buckner, you know what? Uh, I love you, but you've now coached under Mike Smith." And I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. You have been ruined. Yeah. Go to Oakland, rehab for a few years, and then come back and we'll talk. (laughs) By then, Bowles will probably be a head coach somewhere. That's going to be terrifying. If this defense comes out and is just nails, and then Todd Bowles goes off to be a head coach somewhere, I might cry. I'm, I'm used to losing coaches that I love, so it's okay. 
That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, Bailey, let's um, let's do a little uh, a quick little something before we have to get off here that that David and I. Uh, normally do on on our preview show so we're going to get your takes now and then david and i will give ours on uh on friday who are give me one or two buccaneers that you're really keeping an eye on friday night oh goodness you're putting me on the spot here yeah yeah i am that's my job i okay so the first one that came to mind i know it's gonna be a total cop out but i just want to see if he keeps it going is daria gumbawale yes um I mean, I just I love watching him play, and the, the fact that he's been getting so many carries, obviously in the second half of these last two preseason games, and doing a lot with those carries and, and doing a lot with those targets out of the backfield, he's been fun to watch. And I firmly, firmly am in the camp that he's RB three right now for the Bucks. I don't see, I don't see how Andre Ellington is anywhere above him right now. Um, then I'll give you another. I'll give you Kevin Minter. That's he, a good one. He's just been all over the place in the first two weeks, kind of quietly. But I, I just I, I think it's a cool kind of a cool thing just that he happened to already be on the roster, having already played with under Bruce Arians' staff in Arizona. He knows the defense. He's in a position where he he can make an impact for this team. I mean, there's not a lot of depth really anywhere on the defense. I mean, I guess there is in the secondary. There's a lot of young depth. But he's going to have a chance to play a role this year, and and I think he'll be a fun guy to watch on on Friday night because I think he'll get a fair amount of snaps being a backup guy. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that pick. I like it a lot. All right, I'm give just me. Go ahead and in, like I'm just going to go ahead and correct myself because he's a starter right now, isn't he? With Levante out. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. He still got a lot of playing time last week, so we'll see. But yeah, he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on. All right, give me your score prediction. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it's preseason. We just watched a 16-14 to 14 game that I, sw- I swore it was going to end 6-3. to three. Um, This one, let me just say that it's going to be a little more high scoring. Let me go Browns 23, Bucks 16. Okay. That's that's based on absolutely nothing. Well, of course it's based on nothing. It's preseason. Yeah. I made a score prediction <laughs> for the first preseason game. I mean, come on. But it's just fun. <laughs> and and if you get closer to the score than David and I do, then you can come on and ridicule us mercilessly. <laughs> I I probably won't do that. That's the thing. Because <laughs> if, if that's the thing I have to hold over you guys, I think that's kind of sad. It's all we have right now, Bailey. That's all we have right now. You're not wrong. All right. Well, Bailey, our time is up. Again, I certainly appreciate you jumping on with me last minute. Uh, Had fun. Enjoyed enjoyed the conversation. Always enjoy talking to you, James. All right. Please make sure you're checking out everything Bailey and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday, and thank you so much for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. 
We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Yeah.